over that course of time, I, I, you know, every time I'd come to one of these betrayal psalms, I'd say, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to, I'll preach what's here, I'll relate what's here, but I really don't understand what it is to be betrayed. I had never really had that kind of experience. But I can say in the last few years that I have had that experience. And this is a very comforting psalm, and I hope it is for you. Let's read it and then uh, pray, and we'll look at it verse by verse. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide yourself, hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had the wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it's not an enemy who taunts me. Then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. Within God's house we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me evening and morning, and at noon I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul and safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O oh God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, would you please open our eyes to see your word, not only to understand it, but to apply it deep in our hearts, that we would find here in this passage a Savior who understands us, that we would understand that um, he lived and died and suffered in our place that he might speak to us in our suffering. But would you also help us to understand 
that we are traitors too. We need to be taken afresh to the cross that we might not leave this place without seeing the rest of life, the rest of our day through the cross of Jesus in whose name we pray and God's men said together, amen. When we were in college, when Jackie and I, my wife were in college, we had a, a friend whose best friend took her life. And uh, we had a speaker come to chapel one day and was talking to us about his counselor and he was talking to us about uh, suicide and how to, how to be sensitive to those who are lost in that way and uh, how to be sensitive to the, the, the signs of someone is, is losing their uh, will to live. And, and so we, we, we heard that very effective uh, chapel message and went to the mail room and <clears throat> we were getting our mail and one of the college students, just, just being a typical college student, being insensitive, said something that was uh, terribly insensitive to the subject and this, this young woman, our friend, who had lost a friend uh, in that way, heard it or was heartbroken, was overwhelmed by it and just started running just left the mail room and started running into the woods. My wife, Jackie, saw her, understood what was happening, and tore out after her. Chased her through the woods and <clears throat> found her. Finally, she'd collapsed by a tree stump that became kind of an altar. And uh, when she saw Jackie approaching, she waved her off and said, you know, said, just go away. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. And Jackie said, my mother killed herself as if she's offering credentials holding up a badge and then our friend welcomed her in and they sat on the same stump and wept together you know that phenomenon don't you <clears throat> there are only certain people who can when when you when you go through something that is that is intensely painful it's only someone who really has been through the same thing who can say to you I understand and what we have in this psalm is what we have in every psalm it's not just David or Solomon or Asaph or the sons of Korah saying I understand it is Jesus saying I understand and we learned that when we studied Hebrews together. A couple of passages in Hebrews that, that, um, that record sayings of Jesus that we don't find in any of his earthly sayings, like he said this as he was coming into the world. I delight to do your will. He, the, in other words, uh, quotations are attributed to Jesus from the Psalms that were said before Jesus was born. And what the <clears throat> church fathers and other expositors have taught us through the, through the years is that, uh, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, 
the Psalms are the prayers of Jesus prayed through David and Asaph and others. And what you read in the Psalms is not just the record of other people suffering, but you find the, the, the internal sufferings of Jesus recorded in addition to the external sufferings of Jesus that we find in the Gospels. When the Bible says we, he became sin for us, when the Bible says he suffered in every point as we are, he was tempted or tested or suffered in every point as we are, yet without sin, it really means it. Jesus experienced every category of human suffering, internally as well as externally. And Jesus experienced betrayal. Now, we know that from his external life, but, but here we understand. We, I mean, we know that Judas betrayed him. We know that, that Peter let him down. We know that when he was hanging on the cross, all of his disciples left. It was only the women <clears throat> followers who were there. So we know externally that he was betrayed. But here is the psychological record of the way Jesus suffered when he was betrayed. So as we look at this, I want you to understand Jesus understands. He understands if you are feeling betrayed, when you feel betrayed, if you felt betrayed in the past, there may not be anybody else on the face of the earth that you think can understand you, but Jesus understands it. And you will appreciate that as you go through and, and look at what he suffered psychologically. Because he understands, we must flee to him. And we are welcomed to flee to him when we are in times of terror. That's verses 1 through 8. When, our, <clears throat> when being betrayed is terrifying. Look at how it unfolds here. As David writes on behalf of Jesus, he vividly uh, describes what he's feeling, what he's going through in the middle of the night. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Have you ever felt that way in the darkness of the night that not even God is around? <clears throat> what did Jesus say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then verse 2, attend to me, answer me. I'm restless in my complaint. I moan. Here he is. You can hear the rustling of the, of the sheets at night. He's turning, twisting on his bed. He's moaning because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. Now, they're not outside of his bedroom door making noise. Where does that noise come from? It's in his own head. You've been locked in your own head, and it's noisy in there. The noisy of their accus and the noise of their accusations. You, you, you know those you know those uh, those arguments and and speeches you give in your shower against your enemy, because that's the only safe place to talk to them. Here is here is uh, David speaking on behalf of Jesus, and it's not made up. It's not that he's borrowing trouble. Verses four and five. It's realistic. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. 
David was under threat many times of losing his life. He faced joblessness. He lost his job at one point. He lost the kingdom because his son betrayed him. And so maybe that's true of you too. Maybe it's not really, and I mean, it could not be, maybe it's not a person that's betraying you, it's life betraying you, but these are real fears that you're facing at night. It's, you could lose your job. You could lose your, your investments. You could lose your, your family. Your, you, you could lose your, your, your friendships. Those are real fears. And so he grows desperate in his terror in the middle of the night. He thinks about all these things that are, that are uh, at his doorstep. He grows desperate. Verse 6, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. We've never seen it in, in the 55 Psalms we've studied so far, this is the first time we've heard David or any psalmist for that matter say something like this this is unique this could be the temptation to suicide I'm so overwhelmed life is just not worth living I'd, I, I'd, I it's, it could be euphemism give me the wings of the dawn just let me, let me wander away and die Get me out of here. It's, um, it, 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 it's at the very least, it's just the temptation to quit, to give up, to give in. Why should I keep on going? There's only more trouble ahead. You know, preachers say, when we get together, we say all of us quit every Monday morning. Uh, it is the most common time to write a letter of resignation, and <clears throat> it's just what you... You, uh, you, you write it on Monday, and by Friday, you're, 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 you think you'll keep your job again, and then you, you go through Sunday, and then you hit a peak, and then you hit a low. On you have those days, too. There's a day in the week, I'm sure, every week that you say, uh, you, you compose a resignation letter in your, in your mind. I'm just, it's just not worth it anymore. This is, where, this is where David is, and it's where our Savior was. Oh, Lord, take this cup from me sweating drops of blood his disciples too lazy to stay up with him and and endure with him our savior knew the temptation to quit he didn't quit but he he knows what that feels like he can identify with you so when we studied hebrews we 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 encountered that temptation too those those Roman Christians who were being persecuted, they wanted to quit. And what did he write to them? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The Bible doesn't tell you, in other words, the Bible didn't tell you, you know, how could you think of quitting? The Bible never calls you a sissy. The Bible never calls you a quitter. It gives you the answer to your, your temptation to quit, and it is this, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Don't, 
Don't try to work up your own endurance and perseverance. Go to Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, very practically, it looks like this. It means stopping in the middle of the day, no matter where you are, what you're doing. Stop. Get by yourself. Get alone. Get quiet. Close your eyes if you need to. And talk to Jesus. And say, I want to quit. You know what this person has said to me. You know what these people have done to me. You know what this business is doing to me. You know what is happening in my family. You know what it is. And it has lodged itself in my brain and in my heart. It's like a virus that's taken hold of me. And I do not have the power or the ability or the endurance to drive it out of myself. I can't dislodge it. I can't read my way out of it. I can't recall scripture verses uh, in order to get myself out of it. I can't think my way out of it. I can't endure my way out of it. Only you, Holy Spirit, can drive this evil out of me and enable me to continue. That works. Jesus understands. And remember when Jesus said, take this cup from me, what did God do for him? He sent an angel to comfort him. If Jesus needed an angel to comfort him, don't you think that Jesus would be predisposed to send an angel to comfort you? There's a great, uh, great quote by uh, the old Scottish Hebrew professor in, uh, in the, uh, 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 back in uh, Edinburgh named Rabbi Duncan who said, uh, when I get to heaven, the very first person I want to meet in heaven is that angel who came to comfort my Lord. Because if he had not, humanly speak, if he had not helped him, if he had not lifted him up, he would not have made it to the cross for me. God sent an angel to comfort Jesus. And Jesus will send his comforters to you as well. So you trust him in times of terror. And you trust him in times of treason. That's what we find in verses 9 through 15. Now look at who these people are who have turned their hand against David. Verses 9 through 11. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around on its walls. Oppression and fraud are in the marketplace. Verse 15. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. And uh, verses 19 to 21 as well tell us in each of these passages that these are people who are doing evil. But what kind of people are doing evil? It, it's, it's not that they're walking around with weapons. No, the, the evil that they're doing is with their tongues. Look, verses 10 and 21. It's not an enemy who taunts me, verse 21. Uh, his speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. The way David is being attacked 
is by words and smooth words, malicious words. Malicious words are those words that seem so innocent on their surface. They're smooth. They're welcoming. They're enticing. They convince you that this person is talking to you because they, that you, they can be trusted. And, and so they draw you in to share with them things that they are ultimately going to use against you. That's malice. Speaking to someone very skillfully so as to draw them out and gather the evidence that you need in order to stab them in the back. They're not only malicious words, they're duplicitous words. Verses 19 to 20, God will give ear and humble them. He was enthroned from of old because they do not change and do not fear God. Uh, they, uh, my companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. He's a liar. He's duplicitous. That is, he says one thing in one context and says another thing in another context or does another thing in another context. He is a liar. And uh, these are not only evildoers who use their tongue as weapons, his tongue as a weapon against David. This is not only, and this is like Judas as well, but this is a friend. Look at verses 12 to 14. It was not my enemy. It was not my adversary. It's you. Now he turns to him in his mind anyway. It's you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Uh, we dipped bread together. We, we shared good times together. We shared meals together. We worshiped together. We spent time together. We had everything in common together. It's one thing to be betrayed by an enemy, to be betrayed by somebody outside of your circle. It's another thing to be betrayed by your friend. It's one thing to be betrayed. If you're a Christian, it's one thing to be betrayed by an unbeliever, somebody outside the church. Somebody. It's another thing to be betrayed by somebody in the church, to be betrayed by your fellow deacon, by your fellow elder, by your fellow pastor, your, your fellow worship companion, your fellow family member. That is a betrayal that is almost too much to bear. I remember writing a sentence like that when I preached these from this passage in the past, these kinds of passages in the past, now I can say with empathy, it is almost too much to bear when you're betrayed by a friend. Not only did David know it, your Savior knew it, and he knew it for you. But what did he do with that? What did he do with that with that anger, with that betrayal, with that hurt. I want you to notice what he does with it, beginning in verse 13. He confronts his friend. It is you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. He went to him. 
You don't know if he sent him a letter. You don't know if he, if he went to him in person. We don't know if he just wrote this poem and sang it in church. But he took the matter to his friend. That's what Jesus tells us to do. If your brother or your sister has aught against you, has offended you, take it to them. Go to them first. Give them opportunity to repent. Say to them, this is what, this is what you've done to me, or at least it, it's what it feels like you've done to me. Could be that you're mistaken. But he took it to him first of all. And then, you, you know, in Matthew 18, we have those steps of what you're to do to pursue reconciliation. Take it to them. Uh, if he doesn't repent, take a couple or three witnesses with you. If they don't repent, take it to the, to the church and, and uh, have the elders deal with it. Well, the, the confrontation escalates into verse 15 when uh, David says, Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their hearts. We call this an example of an imprecatory psalm, praying imprecations against your enemy. Now, there's a whole bunch of things I need to say about that uh, to, to be complete, but let's suffice it to say this. You're not given permission to pray imprecatory psalms in, in every single situation in which you get your feelings hurt. Uh, there, there, there are guidelines here, but the example of David is when the, not only when, you, when someone is doing evil to you unrighteously, but when it actually threatens the kingdom. So somebody building a fence over your property line, that, that's not a, a case for the imprecatory psalm. That may, make you, may burn you up and may be an inconvenience to you, but that's really not of any consequence to the kingdom of God. Are you just not getting respected the way you think so? But, but when you are standing for a righteous cause or you are, you are uh, standing in justice and God and, and somebody opposes you in a way that threatens and disrupts the unity of the body of Christ and, and the, the justice of his kingdom, that's an occasion in which you pray that evil will be arrested, even if it means harm to the person who is carrying